You're listening to Legion, the podcast about the devil and all his works. From obsessions to possessions, from hexes to hauntings, if it's demonic, I'm on it. I'm Susan Vigilante. Welcome to the podcast. Have you ever had your fortune told? I'm not talking about getting it told by, you know, some mom from the PTA who dresses up in scarves and hoop earrings every spring for the, you know, the spring fair on the playground. I mean, for real. A a palm reader's parlor or a phone-in psychic. You know, one of those 800 numbers for three minutes. Maybe an online tarot reader or even an offline tarot reader. I think it's human nature to want to learn about our future. And I think most of us have tried, you know, something like this at one time or another. I know I used to read my horoscope in the New York Post. My favorite horoscope of all time came from a book I found called You Were Born on a Rotten Day. It had absolutely the best description of people with my star sign ever. It said, you are probably very lonely. And with your personality, it's no wonder. Boom. Dead on accurate. Seriously. Ask any of my friends. But any exorcist will tell you that getting your fortune told in any way, tarot cards, palm reading, consulting a medium, any of that, is a very bad idea. It can open a person up to unwelcome spirits. It can leave you at risk to various psychic and bodily disturbances. It can get into your home. It can open your home up to these spirits. In other words, it it opens a door for Satan to get into your life. It opens a portal. Uh, This is the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Consulting horoscopes, astrology, palm reading, interpretation of omens and lots, the phenomena of clairvoyance and recourse to all mediums, all conceal a desire for power. Power over time, power over history, and in the last analysis, power over other human beings, as well as the wish to conciliate hidden powers. So you're sucking up to Satan as well. Okay, but let's say you know you don't believe any of that. You're a total skeptic. You're an atheist. You don't believe in God. You don't believe in Satan. You don't believe in anything mumbo-jumbo. You might think, it'll be interesting to get a tarot reading or have your palm read. I mean, where's the harm? It might be fine, and it might be a lot of fun. I believe there are a few people in this world who are true sensitives. Uh, Back in the 1960s, the astrologer Jean Dixon predicted JFK would die in office. When she met Bill Clinton, she saw a dark cloud over his head, telling her he would be involved in a great scandal. You know, so it happens. But even Jean Dixon was only right half the time. And 99 times out of 100, your fortune teller is a scam artist. Now you're going to say, I I know that. I'm not some naive little dope. I'm a lawyer. I'm a teacher. I'm an investment banker. I would know in a heartbeat if someone was trying to scam me. So let me ask you, how sure are you about that? Have you ever heard the name Jude Devereaux? Jude Devereaux is a writer. She writes romance novels, or as she puts it, happy stories about happy people that have happy endings. 
She has more than 60 million books in print. She's the kind of success story every writer, full confession including me, dreams about being. In 1991, Jude Devereaux was at the top of her professional game. She owned properties in Santa Fe and an apartment in New York. I think the apartment was actually in the Plaza Hotel. She traveled the world. She did much of her writing on cruise ships. That's known in the industry as nice work if you can get it. (laughs) She had over 60 million books in print in 18 languages. At least half of them were New York Times bestsellers. The lady had it all but her personal life was a shambles. She was divorced from her first husband, and her second marriage was deeply unhappy. Also, she wanted a child. She'd been trying for years to get pregnant, and so far, none of her efforts had been successful. Uh, I want to say a word about that. Being in a bad marriage was bad enough, but I can tell you infertility can drive any woman to desperation. Here's a quick story. Back when I was trapped in infertility hell, one morning, six o'clock in the morning, I'm sitting in a waiting room at a well-known New York hospital, waiting for my turn to see the specialist. The room was already filled with women who were on their way to work. They were in business suits, briefcases, expensive handbags, you know, litigation bags, professional women on their way to well-paying jobs that they trained extensively to get. Well, two women sitting near me were talking about how hard it was to get a cab that morning. One of them said when she finally did nab a cab and told the driver her destination, he said, what are you going to the hospital for? You're healthy. You look fine. She told him she was going to an infertility clinic. The driver was a man from Africa, and he immediately told her, don't do that. I can save you all, all I can save you all that time. I can save you a ton of money. Back in my home village, there's a witch doctor who is famous for helping women get pregnant. No question he can help you. So the two women told the story and they kind of chuckled at it together. And then they were quiet for a second. And finally the second woman said, So did you get his number? So that's the kind of vulnerability and desperation we're talking here. Plus, as you might imagine, it puts a terrible strain on a marriage, even a healthy marriage, and Jude's was a disaster. She felt she had nobody to turn to, or at least she had no one who would listen to her. She was, she was in a really dark place. She was isolated. She was very depressed. She was frightened about the future. A very, very dark place that unfortunately was about to get a lot darker. So one day she's in New York and she's walking along. And she sees one of those, you know, kind of sandwich board signs propped up on the sidewalk. It says, there's a psychic here, you know, come in and get your fortune told. And I imagine she must have thought, you know, I've tried everything else. What have I got to lose? So she goes inside this little storefront psychic shop. Inside, she met a woman who called herself Joyce Michael. Joyce Michael was, you know, gray-haired, grandmotherly, little pince-nez glasses on her nose. She said, well, what can I help you with, dear? And Jude told her, the one thing I want more than anything else in the world right now is a peaceful divorce. And Joyce said, I can get you that. All Jude had to do was place her life in Joyce's capable hands. The first thing she had to do was hand over some money. 
Psychics will usually tell a client to hand over cash or jewelry. They'll tell the person, this stuff is tainted. It has an evil aura. Give it to me and I'll cleanse it. I'll hold it for you until it's cleansed and then I'll give it back. Jude didn't hand over any jewelry at first, but she paid the psychic $1,200. She also handed over some of her writing notebooks. The psychic told her she needed them for the energy they gave off. I can tell you something else here. Half the people I know are writers, and I cannot imagine any one of them handing a notebook over to a stranger. I just, I just can't. They hang on to that stuff. Oh, uh, Joyce said the energy she would get from these books would let her read the husband's mind. For a while after that, as Jude put it in court records, she was giving the woman a thousand here, a thousand there, maybe 10,000 here, 10,000 there. But finally, Joyce demanded a payment of $1 million. That eventually became a flat fee of $1 million a year. Jude paid. When Jude brought up the subject of finding a divorce lawyer, Joyce sent her to one she had selected for her personally. I'm going to quote from Reader's Digest here. That lawyer drafted an agreement giving Devereaux's husband too much. The property, the cars. Devereaux would also have to pay her former spouse's bills into the future, along with his future taxes. Joyce Michaels pushed Devereaux to sign off on the settlement, telling her, you know, don't worry about these terms. It's going to be irrelevant anyway. Your husband's going to be dead in three years. Uh, 20 years later, the guy was still very much alive and very healthy and really, really stinking rich. Jude finally did get her divorce. But even after the divorce, she stayed with the psychic. Jude wanted a child, and the psychic assured her she could help her get pregnant. She also said if she did have the baby, the child would fall off the balcony of Jude's New York apartment. So the only way the child would live, she said, was if Jude sold the apartment and handed the money over to Michaels to be cleansed. Devereaux did as she was told. Well, by now, Michaels had convinced her to cut herself off from her family and friends. They had bad vibes. You know, stick with me and only me. So she's totally isolated. And the only person she trusted now was Joyce Michaels. In 1997, after eight miscarriages, Devereaux had a son. She named him Samuel. Michaels told her she could keep the child from harm, but only if Devereaux kept up the payments. Now, Devereaux has been through hell in infertility. She has been craving a child for many years. You think she's going to take a risk at this point? She went right on paying. Her son meant the world to her. And what was money compared to her son's life? In 2005, when he was eight years old, her son was killed in an accident. He didn't fall off any balcony. Uh, He got hit by a truck while he was riding an ATV. Eight years old, and he's gone already. Joyce Michaels did not even miss a beat. She totally changed her approach. She said, give me a lock of your son's hair. So when Jude, so Jude cut a little lock of the boy's hair, and she brought it to the psychic, looked at it carefully, and she said, I see flames. She said that Jude's son was stuck between heaven and hell, and she needed to keep him out of the flames. And Michaels could do that if, you guessed it, Devereaux went on paying. 
By now, uh, Devereaux's career was suffering. I actually looked up some reviews of her books published around this time, and people kept saying over and over, uh, this just wasn't as good as the last ones. I think I'm kind of done with, with Jude Devereaux. That's a terrible blow to a writer. The quality of her books went downhill because Jude spent most of her time, you know, miserable. And the money started drying up. In keeping with the psychic's playbook, once the money was gone, Joyce distanced herself from Devereaux. She became impossible to reach. In other words, uh, Joyce Michaels just dumped Devereaux when she realized she wasn't going to come up with any more cash. So now Jude is broke, and she's more alone than ever. Except for one thing. She wasn't alone at all. Not by a long shot. By now, Joyce Michaels had left New York, and she had moved to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where she was living in a mansion on the Intracoastal Waterway. Some of her victims had had enough, and they went to the police and told their stories. One officer in particular made nailing Joyce Michaels in her crimes his business. So the police started looking into Joyce's business dealings, and they found plenty. For one thing, Joyce's real name was Rose Marks. She was the matriarch of an extended family of Roma, commonly called gypsies, but now they say we're not supposed to call them that. Roma. All of the family were involved in the fortune-telling business. It was essentially a family industry. Marks had scammed one client, a woman named Sylvia Roma. I think that's just a coincidence. She'd scammed this woman out of $800,000. She told Sylvia that her money was lost in the World Trade Center bombings. In court, a federal agent came up with a list of what that money had actually gone to. It didn't get lost in the Trade Center bombings. The uh, Marx family had spent it on various luxury items. Here's some of the items, by the way. A San Moritz 18-karat yellow gold watch. A Rolex watch with sapphires and 29-round full-cut diamonds, luxury cars, including a white Range Rover, a black Mercedes-Benz Coupe, and a black Mercedes-Benz SUV, a Bentley, a Ferrari, a Rolls-Royce, and a Jeep. Oh, and a a 14-carat gold key to a Porsche. Rose had scammed others, too. Now, here's the thing. None of these people were naive None of these people were stupid. None of these people were unworldly. They were professional people, every single one of them. One was a graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy who had gotten an MBA at Columbia. Others were lawyers, business executives. Almost all of them were women, and all of them were deeply vulnerable when they met Rose Marks. So these other victims get together and they seek police help. But Jude was too devastated to try to do anything to help herself. A retired police detective named Charles Stack tracked her down. And when he found her, she was huddled in a hotel room, just a shadow of her former self. She was gaunt. She was thin. She looked like she'd aged 10 years. And she was planning on committing suicide because she said she wanted to be with her son. Well, with Detective Stack's help, Jude managed to pull herself together, and she agreed to cooperate with the investigation. 
Marx's case went to trial in September 2013 on a laundry list of charges. Mail fraud, wire fraud, 14 counts of fraud. Everyone said you'll never convict a fortune teller because it's a business and these people knew what they were getting into. But Marx had made one mistake. All of her family had promised these people, I'll cleanse your money, I'll take your money, and then I will give it back to you. And she never gave any of it back. And she never, they, they never intended to give any of it back. That was the key. That was key in this investigation. So finally, uh, Rose Marx was tried on 14 counts of fraud. She was convicted on every single one. She is currently serving a 10-year sentence in federal prison. Rose Marx and her family preyed on people at their weakest point. These were people whose relationships were in tatters, and they were just teetering on the verge of despair. Like I said, Jude Devereaux was a couple of days away from suicide. She told the police that, that she was going to commit suicide in another two days or whatever. How many of her victims would have failed, you know, a basic mental health test? I don't know, but I'm betting it was most of them. She drew them in with false promises, and she kept them under control with threats. Now, here's my point. What Rose Marks and her family did is a lot like what Satan does. Satan zeroes in on the broken and the lonely, the vulnerable, the desperate. He feeds them false promises to draw them into his orbit, and he does everything he can to keep them there. He ruins lives, you know, just as Rose Marks and her clan did. Rose Marks is an extreme case. She is probably, or before her arrest, she was the wealthiest fortune teller in the country. Uh, now she's got nothing. She's in jail. Uh, people are still trying to get the money back from her. But it's hard to feel sorry for her. Look at the wreckage she left in her wake. And, you know, that's what Satan does. He gets into your head. He tells you, I can fix this. Just stick with me. And he leaves a, a trail of ruined lives behind him. So the next time you're tempted to see what's going to happen to you tomorrow, and you pick up the paper and you turn to the horoscope pages, I would advise you to put the paper in the trash. And I would certainly advise you to walk right on past if you ever see one of those sidewalk signs that says tarot card reading inside. By the way, by the way, Rose Marks is in prison today because she refused to take a plea deal. The rest of her family all took plea deals and are either out of jail now or are out on parole. Only Rose, with her incredible psychic abilities, thought she could beat the rap and went to prison. Uh, from which, by the way, she is now insisting that she is the victim is trying to get a second trial. As for Jude Devereaux, give that lady a round of applause. She got right back on her horse and she went right back to writing novels. So rock on, Jude. My sources for this episode of Legion include ABC News, Reader's Digest, Ever-Loving Wikipedia, and the Palm Beach Post. Thanks for listening to this episode of Legion, the podcast about the devil and all his works. I hope you'll join me again next time. I'm Susan Vigilante, and remember, the devil's first trick is to convince you he doesn't exist. Thank you.